All right, I'm sending it. Uh, welcome to the Project Project. Uh, my name is Paul Lanigan. Um, if you click on this, you probably know that. I don't know. Um, but either way, I'm glad you did. Uh, so this is going to end up being, for your encouragement episode, I have no idea. Um, I didn't look before I hit record. I literally like got back from church and was like, I know if I start distracting myself, like I think I might lose part of the message the Spirit wants to share and get in the, and start getting in the way of it. So here I am. I just hit record. Uh, I'm sitting at my desk in Waco, Texas, um, still in my church clothes from Easter service that was today. That was awesome. Um, got to greet some people with a cup of Pinewood Coffee Roasters coffee in my hand and um, just welcome people home, welcome people into a place where I've experienced the grace and truth in Jesus Christ that I hope that they did too. Um, so basically, uh, this weekend, um, I drove with a dear friend of mine to Canacook Institute's graduation in Branson. It's like an eight-hour drive for me and spent 22 hours in Branson just like breaking bread with the most incredible people who I love so much, who I really wanted to go see. Um, and I was willing to drive a long way to do so, um, selfishly to get to spend time with this dear friend, Jordan Green, um, who I never get to spend one-on-one -on -one time with. He's a brother of mine. Um, and so we got to spend 16 hours in the car together, or well, like 14, um, and got to spend 22 hours in Branson just having the best time um, just the richest time alongside people who celebrate each other and celebrate Jesus. And so this message was spawned from a conversation that happened yesterday morning at Hollister Coffee Co. Um, in a right near Branson Mo, like right on the outskirts of Branson, Missouri. Um, a conversation like we were sitting there, uh, just spending a morning together, a slow morning, all with our Bibles out, um, drinking high quality coffee with good people. I've already mentioned coffee twice in this and I'm sorry. Um, and we were like all like taking turns, like teaching each other things that the Lord is revealing and what we were reading. And it was like watching it coincide and conversations off of conversations and meeting friends, parents that walked in with them who had graduated yesterday and all kinds of stuff. It was so cool. Uh, but I had some notes like jumbled into my journaling that I was sitting in church today at Harris Creek um, in the overflow seating just by myself. Um, enjoying this message and then and it was put on my heart I was like Lord I have not like invested in the pure joy project maybe as well as I ought to as he's opened these doors for it and he's continued to sustain it and like almost literally as I was praying it um, he had reminded me of the notes that I'd taken yesterday and then started to add to it and inspire me in just like what message I think he wants me to share so now you've been listening to this for three minutes and you've heard nothing of value to you. So I hope that what follows is of value to you and your encouragement because that's what this is for. Um, so I'm going to pray and we're just going to, I'm going to let it rip. I don't know. I just have scripture and I hope the spirit uses it. Uh, King Jesus, thank you uh, that you are who you are, that you love how you love. Thank you that you defeated death on this day kind of, um, tentatively uh, so many years ago uh, but there was a day around this time that you defeated death you put death to death and all other religious leaders of all time that are not of you that are speaking false teaching all of them did not defeat death um, but you did and you did it um, after living a life we could never live dying a death we could never die this resurrection when you beat death 
allowed us into that relationship of defying death and partaking in ministry with you, Lord. So I pray that this message is one of encouragement. I pray that you speak, Holy Spirit, that you're here, you remove distractions, you do everything that you want and exactly what you want and only what you want, and that you receive most glory from it. Um, Lord, I pray that wherever this listener uh, listening is experiencing this, God, that you meet them there and you heal what you need to heal and teach what you need to teach to make them the best servant of you because that is our most full life is in full service of you washing the feet of the widows and orphans. Um, God, I pray that you break us down and you build yourself up in its place. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so today being Easter, I it was on my heart that was like, this message is heard over and over and over and over and over again. It's recycled over and over and over again. He has risen. He's risen indeed. Like we, if you run in any Christian circle, been around any church on an Easter Sunday, um, you'll hear that like over and over again. He's risen. He's risen indeed. And it's like, okay, so this guy, Jesus, rose so many years ago um, from the dead, allegedly, and this then means something to me. What the heck does it mean to us? Um, well, this Jesus, raise, raising from the dead, conquers death that we would fear forever. It conquers the anxieties of leaving nothing behind. It conquers the anxieties of having nothing in front of us beyond this life. It conquers the anxieties of being defined by what's going on right in front of us right now. I got an 80 on a lab report yesterday, an 80%, and I just was panicked by it for some reason. I allowed myself to spiral into all the worst case scenarios that could happen, that I could fail out of my master's degree, and I could lose credibility with my classmates, and I like, it was so stupid. And I was like, Jesus, just glorify yourself. I don't know what is going on, but I know that I don't want to spiral, and the enemy would love if I did. So Jesus come into whatever us listeners, everybody here needs, um, come into it and show that you just want to bring yourself most glory and that's our best life. And so this Jesus conquered death to set us free from shame and our past to be defined by performance and self-esteem. Um, this Jesus conquered death so that we could live free forever. So the same Jesus that Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, laid down his life for us so that we could live eternally. This Jesus that um, as our wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, the free gift of God is eternal glory in this Jesus. And this Jesus who has made it so simple that if we only are to be born again, as John 3, Nicodemus is questioning Jesus, how do I actually inherit eternal life? Nicodemus was the head of all like religious teachers at this time that Jesus walked. And Jesus says, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus just has no idea what that even means because we are to go from death to life in Jesus. How the heck do we actually experience this life part? I think so many of us have, have like experienced the rhythms of religion and even some of the blessings of community and the blessings of generosity and different stuff, but we have not experienced the new life in Jesus. Where is this new life? And so this message that Stephen Mark Angier, one of my dear, dear friends, um, and I kind of went back and forth in building uh, over the course of like five to 10 minutes at Hollister Coffee Co. Um, on Saturday morning of, what was that, April 16th. Um, this message is really like, how the heck do we experience Jesus and step into this new life? And so I have some really simple stuff. It's like, we need to experience him, and then we need to understand our purpose and our role in walking with him. 
And so I hope, uh, the Holy Spirit, I pray that you come in and you bring that message and that it encourages people. Um, so first, I've been reading Lamentations. And I just finished Lamentations, five-chapter book. Um, that is absolutely glorifying to the Lord, but it's a concept that we don't get at all. Really, it's very rarely, rarely taught on in any capacity. And the book of Lamentations is five chapters, so it's five different entries by a writer. Um, and the first two are acrostic poems written in Hebrew, I believe. Um, and they're just mourning about the state of their lives. It is um, Israel in exile, I believe. And so they are just mourning at the state of their lives. They're essentially complaining to their Lord about what's going on. And then in chapter three, they remember, I might as well go there. Uh, in chapter three, right in the middle of all of this, he's, they say, uh, starting in verse 19, remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and, and is bowed within me. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults for the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He does not afflict from the heart or grieve the children of man. And then skipping to verse 41, let us lift up our hearts and hands to the God in heaven. Uh, and then even later in that chapter, verse 57, you came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. You have seen all their vengeance and their plots against me. Uh, and then the next two chapters return back to the dullness of heart, um, the lamenting, the frustration, um, the hurting, the complaining many people would see it as. Uh, but it's just honesty. And then at the end of chapter 5, to finish it, um, starting in verse 19, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Restore, renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Um, so we see in this book so clearly just honesty with the Lord. It is an honest inquiry with the Lord. Um, and so that honest inquiry is just not taught. We're not taught to do it. We're not taught to sit with the Lord in anger um, when we're angry about something or in disappointment when we're disappointed about something. Um, but there is such beauty in presenting the anger and disappointment to our gracious God while, as we see in chapter three of Lamentations, I love this rhythm they have. They're being honest with the Lord, but they remember his goodness and how he's had them all the days of their life. They remember that his mercies are made new every morning and his steadfast love endures forever. And they recount to these things and they praise him. And then they continue on being honest. And then they ask him, they inquire with him to finish, to return to them, to heal them. And this is a very necessary step to experiencing Jesus. Why I think so. Um, this is in John 1. So we know in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him not any single thing was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is Jesus, the word. So it's referring to the words of the Lord as in its logos is this word in Greek when it was written, which means what has been spoken. And the same word is used in reference to Jesus. So what has been spoken is Jesus. The, the human will of God being fully God, fully man, is what was said in Jesus. So, going to verse 14, um, this word became flesh. This is the text, so, uh, this is the text. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this word, the spoken word and will of God, became flesh for our sake, so we may experience it. Continuing on. Um, into verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word, the law, came through Moses. So Moses gave the same commandments that we ought to follow today. But we experience them in Jesus. So the grace and truth of this law we experience in Jesus. How the heck do we experience it? And that's where I'm pushed towards lamentations. Is we be honest with the Lord about our state and our disappointment and our frustrations and then we look at his character and we remember and recount his beautiful, wondrous character and how he's had us all the days of our life. And how whatever is stressing us right now, whatever heartbreak or frustration or assignment or work or relationship or you name it, that is that has us downcast, that we remember the Lord's goodness and how he's had us. But we don't step out of the emotions that we ought to be feeling at that time. Is this the formula to experiencing Jesus? I think it's one of them is that we are extremely honest with the Lord. You say, Lord, you have disappointed me. He disappointed all of his followers at Calvary. When he took the cross and stayed there, they didn't understand. They didn't understand and they were honest and they didn't get it. And then in passing, in his passing, right, to tell us die, the debt is paid. It is paid. It is finished. He pays the ultimate price for them, but they don't get it. They're like literally the God of the universe, my savior, my teacher, my friend, my counselor just died. How the heck am I supposed to, to continue on living? And so there's this, there's this expression of disappointment. There's a hard thing that happens, an expression of disappointment in the Lord because he didn't get off that cross and he didn't rout the Roman army with a word. But then the greatest reconciliation of all time, leaving, leaving the situation better than it was found, Jesus conquers the grave for the grave is empty. And we can see the, um, the death and resurrection story I think it's Matthew 18, 19, 18 and 19. Um, so we see this story and then we see the greatest reconciliation of all time. And I think our lives kind of follow this cadence. I've seen it in my own. Is it's like triumph, resurrection, Lord, you've had us far better than we ever could have imagined the situation being and then we're disappointed. We're let down, we're angry, we're frustrated, we're numb. But then we tell the Lord of our numbness, of our anger, of our frustration, of our longing, of our lacking. And then after a period of experiencing that, it could be 
minute. It could be the rest of our lives. First Peter 4 says we suffer for a time that is short. That could be our entire lives because our lives are short in comparison to the eternity that we will experience at God or with God, praising him. Um, but that, that inquiry and then telling him simply of like how we are frustrated, exactly our rawest, most, most obvious emotions that we suppress and act like are not good and godly if we share them, etc. The Lord hears our lamenting. And then we remember his wondrous deeds. We are reminded of his goodness all the days long. How his mercies are made new every morning. That our soul, that, that his Holy Spirit is our portion. The Lord is our portion. And our satisfaction and our resurrection is in this. And then we can go on being honest again. And inquiring with him again. And then he, we are reminded of his character and he does, and then he resurrects. And we see that we're better than we were found every single time over and over and over again. So this, this God that we hear about on, um, on Easter, if you will, um, and, and all throughout the year in many places, especially in the United States, how the heck do we experience this Jesus? So I want to read about um, his character and our role in his character. So I'm in Isaiah 43. Um, I'm going to go 1 through 4 and then 11 through 20. Now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the waters they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cushion Seba, in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east. From the west I will gather you up. Uh, one through five. And now moving to 11 through 20. I, I am the Lord and besides me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God. Also henceforth, I am he. There is one who, there is none who can deliver from my hand. I work who can turn it back. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I sent to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and a horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That was through verse 19. So this God, this, this God whose character is absolutely unreal. <laughs> this God who loves us so dearly. He says simply, like, because of that love. I mean, he is our, he is our creator, um, our king. He makes way in the sea and path in the mighty waters. There is no savior but he in all of Israel. And the rivers shall not overwhelm us and the fire shall not burn us. Um, though we are tempted to think it will. Yet we are precious in his eyes and he loves us. He makes sacrifices in return for us and for our sake. 
And so John, when speaking about this Savior in uh, John one twenty three, he he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophets Isaiah said. John's role is so simple. He says, Jesus is beautiful, and this prophecy has proclaimed him and prepared for him, and I just want you to look at him. That's it. I just want you to look at this beautiful king who I've been waiting for and proclaiming. That is our role. Our purpose and our role is the God who loves us. We are precious in his eyes. We are to look at him as in his beauty and invite others to look at the beautiful thing. We're not smacking their wrist to try to get them to, to ref, like reflex and repulse and look at him. We are just simply delighting in his beauty and encouraging others to do the same and walking through their lamentations with them. All of their lamenting, walking through the things that are hard, that are ugly, that are frustrating, walking through those things with them and saying, look at this one who is beautiful. So we ourselves need to experience Jesus in honesty and lamenting because then we get grace and truth up close. John 1, 17. So we, in our, in our lamenting, in our honesty and remembering of his character, but telling him honestly how we're feeling and what we want him to do, but submitting to his character and remembering all of his goodness all the days of our lives. And then in experiencing the peace and the beauty of that, the healing of saying, Jesus, come into my wounds, come into my lack of, my lack of confidence, my lack of adequacy, come into my insecurities, come into my frustrations that this thing didn't work out or this thing didn't work out or this thing didn't work out. Come into my longing and my heartbreak, come into my lusts and my passions that are unjust, come into all these things whether they're ugly or pretty, it doesn't matter. Jesus, I want you into all these things. I am disappointed and I need you because I remember your character all the days of my life. I remember that you have had me and you have kept me and you have sustained me and I'm far better than I have been before because you have been good. But here I am, honestly. That is our experiencing Jesus. We put on a front. We put on the clothes. We say the words. We surround ourselves with the people. We do everything that we can do to appear a certain way and fool ourselves into this certain Christian state of being. This joyous, fulfilled, purposed, peaceful state of being. We try to fool ourselves there rather than an honest inquiry in sackcloth and ashes bearing our yoke in our youth, as it says in Lamentations, and sitting in silence with him and sitting in agony, and sitting in complaining, and sitting in all these things with Jesus, and saying, you who were raised on this day of Easter to conquer death forever, I want you to come into my death, my exile, my frustration, and make me new, and then invite others to look upon the beauty, be a voice in the wilderness. That is our purpose. That is our fulfillment, is inviting him into our ugly, and gazing at his beauty, and telling others that their ugly is valid and they're allowed to be hurt. But look at what is beautiful. For it has healed me and it will heal you. Experiencing our God on this Easter Sunday. So I encourage us today to sit in our frustrations. Whether it is an 80%, 79.7% on a lab report 
and our head begins to spiral and we're disappointed and frustrated or it's a heartbreak that we couldn't have foreseen or it's doubt or it's family hurt and trial or it's etc i or it's i mean you never feel like a, a part of any other people that you're with or your your job is boring and awful but you're stuck in it cuz you need money or um it seems like no doors are opening, et cetera. We need to be honest. Say, Lord, here I am. But then we also need to remember his character and hold on to hope. There is an amount of optimism that we should always have knowing the hope that we hold in eternity. And even if we are downcast on this earth as we will be in this life, you will face trials and sorrows. Take heed, I've overcome the world. The same Jesus that laid down his life for us was resurrected on our behalf so we could conquer death, reminded us, promised us that we would have trial. So this Jesus, we need to be honest with him. We need to tell him our disappointments and our frustrations, our longings and our lusts. We need to invite him in, in all vulnerability. And then we need to remember his character and ask for his healing and step into that and then invite others to look at the beauty with us. What if... I'm going to pray. Um, I hope that went somewhere. I hope that was cohesive. I, I have no idea. Um, basically, this entire podcast is just um, scripture doing what scripture does. And a stupid little grasshopper, as I like to call myself, as the Lord refers to us in grasshoppers, as grasshoppers in Isaiah 40. Um, a stupid little grasshopper in Paul Anigan that gets to talk about this scripture. Um, and the Lord seems to bring people to listen. So I hope that it blesses you. I hope that it does something radical. I hope that you and I allow the Lord into our broken and contrite hearts and spirits and say, here is my honest emotion. What do you want to do with it? I want you here. And then we invite others to look at the beauty that we get to experience with him. Um, King Jesus, thank you that you have sustained this, um, that the equipment works. Thank you for my roommates that are hosting sweet friends on this Easter Sunday who are laughing and enjoying each other. God, I pray that you bless that, that you glorify yourself there. I pray over every listener today. And my prayer over their desires for you and your scripture and mine, um, for you and your scripture, I pray that um, you capture us, that we desire um, nothing more than to experience you and your healing, to gaze upon your beauty and, and help others do the same. God, make us voices in the wilderness, completely content being unknown while you are fully known. Lord, help us be people who bear the bear the yoke in our youth and we sit in whatever comes with it because you are there. God, help us to be people who are honest with you, who share with you, who allow you into it all. Um, Lord, I pray for wisdom and discernment and knowledge and faithfulness. In every listener and myself, I pray for the gifts um, and the fruit of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience, the kindness that we can pour out that you can be glorified with. God, just make us your people, make us your children, make us your encouragement. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Um, you are truly worthy of praise on this Easter Sunday and every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you. <laughs>